Okay, so we are going to read our scripture for today, and that is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 14 through 17. If you need to close your eyes to follow along, go ahead, do that. It will be up on the screen as well. Here's what it says. But thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and by those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. And who is adequate for such a task as this? You see, we are not like the many huskers who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. This is the word of the Lord. Yes, sir. Okay. Sweet. I got walk-up music. That was pretty, pretty awesome. Uh, well, uh, this morning, as Tyler said, we are continuing our mini-series on truth. And we're talking, when we say truth, we're talking about the gospel. And as we look at this mini-series, it's a mini-series that's a part of a bigger series. We're looking at First and Second Corinthians all year long and taking these two giant letters in the New Testament and breaking them into these thematic mini-series and as we talk about truth, today we're, we're talking about representing the truth, living in a way that represents the truth. And Paul uses some imagery as he talks about this with imageries of smells. How many of you, as Tyler was reading, picked up on that? Some odors, some aromas. And so we're going to get our sniffers going uh, this morning. And I'm going to be a little interactive with you. Can we do that? Is that okay? For a moment? All right. So I'm going to show you a picture. Don't show it yet, but I'm going to show you a picture. And you just yell out whether it's an odor or an aroma. If it's an odor, that means it's stench. If it's an aroma, it's something of fragrance that you want to be around and you want more of that smell, okay? And I'm curious if we're going to have any uh, mixing that happens here. Some are going to yell odor or aroma. All right, here's the first one. Odor or aroma? That's an odor, right? Nobody wants more of that. All right. That was an easy one. Okay, how about this? Fresh cut grass. Is that an aroma? Or an odor. That's an aroma, isn't it? It's wonderful. Mm, take it in. Okay, next one. Here we go. How about a campfire? Oh, an odorous aroma for some of us. Okay. Aroma, I heard for the most part. You got to be a little louder, okay? Be a little louder. Here we go. Odor or aroma? A garbage dump. And guess what? That is our garbage dump. That is the Skagit County Transit Center. Transfer Center. Transit Center. I hope that's not our transit center. <laughs> Transfer Center. Don't ask me how I got that photo Ah, from such a great angle. What about this next one? Who loves the smell of a bucket of fish? Odor. Odor, Odor right? Nobody wants that. It's something about eating fish is great, but being around a bucket of fish, no thank you. All right? Here we go. How about this one? Coffee. 
Uh, most of us said aroma. All right, most of us said aroma. There might have been an odor or two in there. Okay, last one. Here we go. How about this one? Clorox. Ah, see, we got mixed messaging there. Some of us love that smell, and some of us are like, no, get me out of that. All right. Now, this idea that we're concerned about smells is interesting because we do take a lot of effort to make sure our homes and our bodies and our clothes carry with them an aroma. But what about our actions? What about our lifestyle? Because our actions give off a smell. Our lifestyle gives off a either stench or an aroma. This quote by this guy named Richard Baxter says, take heed to yourselves lest you may unsay that with, unsay that with your lives which you say with your tongues. So we speak about the gospel constantly, but are our lives undoing what we're saying? Take heed to yourselves lest you may unsay that with your lives which you say with your tongues. We speak Jesus with our words and we contradict him with our actions. And we live in a world that is repelled by a stench of Christianity. To them, it's a foul odor. The hypocrisy, the superiority, the condemnation, the condescension, the ego. They, they don't like that representation of the gospel. They want nothing to do with that Jesus that we talk about. And so for just a quick moment, what is the gospel? As we talk for this mini-series about the truth of the gospel, well, what is it? What is the gospel? Gospel translates as good news. Well, what is this good news? Breaking good news. What is it? It is that, simply put, Jesus came to earth. He was fully God and fully man. He died on the cross for, as a sacrifice for our sins. Our brokenness as humanity, he paid that price which we deserved, which was death. You and I deserve that. Humanity deserved that because we decided we could be God and we didn't need the true God. And then he's raised from the dead in order to defeat the power of sin, death, and Satan. And the good news, here's where it gets really good, you and I can be forgiven, restored, made new, given a fresh start, promised heaven, and restored into wholeness with God by faith, by believing in this truth about Jesus. Not because I've earned it or I'm good enough or I've got enough gold stars for Jesus, but because we believe in Jesus. That's the real good of the good, of the good news, of the gospel there, is that by faith we are saved, we are forgiven, we are renewed, we are restored. And so over these past few weeks, we've been talking about the truth of the gospel. If that's what the gospel is, this good news of Jesus coming to earth to restore us into relationship with God, we've talked about how some people in our world think it's foolishness and that the Holy Spirit uh, reveals truth and helps us to discover the, the truth of the gospel in its true fashion, not in a distorted or contaminated fashion. But today, we're taking that gospel and thinking about how are we representing it in our world this week? As Christians, we believe in the gospel, and, and, and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, should change us. It should alter our thoughts and our habits and our behaviors and our words. The character traits of the gospel should be the character traits of the church, shouldn't they? 
Shouldn't we as Christians, when we go out into our world, carry on the same characteristics that we see in the gospel? If the gospel is one of forgiveness and restoration and inclusivity and grace and mercy and all these different attributes of love and mercy and all of these things, if that characterizes the gospel, well, then that should characterize his church and his people. And so with that in mind, that is the fragrance that we're talking about this, this morning. This idea of living a life that is characterized by the same traits that characterize the gospel would characterize you when you're out at Target this week or in the workplace this week or with your kids this week or in the Little League field this week or you're sitting at Outback Steakhouse and your server's super annoying this week. That was me last night. I was not a fragrance. I was an odor to him. I didn't want to chat with him. And so I was just mean mugging with my resting jerk face. Get away. Stop talking. We're fine. But every moment, every place we go, we have an opportunity to be a fragrance or an odor. And Paul starts this section off by giving this illustration in verse 14 of this parade that's taking place, this triumphal procession. In verse 14, but thank God he has made us his captives and continues to lead us along in Christ's triumphal procession. This victory parade that he's using as a metaphor that's going through the streets. And in ancient times, when a city would be conquered by another city, let's say Rome went and conquered a, a, an area, they would then bring everything back to town and they would come and do this big victory lap parade, almost like a Super Bowl parade that we had years and years in the distant past in Seattle, right? Well, Rome would come and they'd bring their soldiers and then they'd bring these priests and they'd bring their uh, Senate bounty, all these government people, and they'd bring the, the treasure trove and bounty that they had collected from their conquerees, the conquered. They would even bring the captive prisoners. They would bring the conquered into that parade and parade them through the city. They would bring the generals and the musicians and the priests and the officers and the judges and imagine this giant processional taking place after a town is conquered. And so you're in your hometown and they bring this parade through and what are you thinking? This is awesome. This is a victory lap. Woohoo! We are victorious. And what Paul is saying here is Jesus is taking a victory lap. What has he conquered? Yell it out. It's okay. What has Jesus conquered? Death, sin, Satan, hell. The brokenness of this world has been defeated, and Jesus has taken a victory lap parade. And Paul's saying we get to follow in his footsteps. We are following Jesus. What's our motto here at Hub City Church? We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. We're in that procession, and who is our leader? Who's the grand marshal of our parade? Jesus is the king. He's the grand marshal. He is everything. And Paul is saying, hey, Corinthian church, we are following in this parade, and instead of this great general that we celebrate the victory in, we celebrate what Jesus has done. Jesus is victorious. Jesus is is the suffering servant. Jesus has done all of these things and we follow in his footsteps. We're following him. And you get in this imagery of the parade, you get this idea of the submission and the honor and the following followership. Let's make a word up. The followership of the church. That we're following Jesus in this parade metaphor, right? And that's 
That's important because as we look at the gospel, we look at the truth of the gospel, it's that we are falling in line with the gospel. We aren't changing the gospel. We aren't changing Jesus. Somebody wants to change Jesus. Well, we talked about that last week on the distorted gospel. We're not changing that. We're falling in line with the gospel and following who? Jesus. Jesus is our leader. Not a pastor, not a personality, not a politician, not an author or a podcast. We follow Jesus and the truth of the gospel. And so Paul emphasizes in this this metaphor of the parade, he uses this idea of smells and fragrances and stenches and odors and all of this. And, and the Corinthians would have heard this and they would have totally like, oh, you're tying in all of this, aren't you, Paul? Right? Because when they saw these processionals, it wasn't like the parades that we do where it's like, oh, that's a cool float or that's a tractor or there's, a, you know, there's some candy for the kids. They would do these parades, these processionals, and the priests would come and they'd have these giant things that would burn incense, and all you picture it, all this smoke, right? Imagine if Barry Dairy Day's parade, all the pastors had to swing these big incense things, right? And they're swinging these giant sensors that would burn the incense, and the smoke would just billow out, and the incense would just fill the space. The priests are paraded down through this processional, and the people watching it are just smelling the same smell. And it permeates the air. Verse 14 through 16, he says, Now he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere, like a sweet perfume. Our lives are a Christ-like fragrance rising up to God, but this fragrance is perceived differently by those who are being saved and those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, we are a dreadful smell of death and doom. But to those who are being saved, we are a life-giving perfume. Our life is a fragrance. When we leave this building or we leave our homes, we are to be a fragrance. And there's two purposes behind this fragrance that Paul highlights. One is worship and one is mission. He says that we are a fragrance that goes upwards to God. When the Corinthians heard that, they would have thought of the Uh, sacrifices in the temple and all of the smoke and the smell and the incense and and the aromas that that went up to the heavens. When you were in the temple and you saw that and smelled that. And so Paul's saying, when we go out there into our world, it is an act of worship and an act of honor to God to go live a life that represents the gospel. Did you know that that's worship? Worship is not just singing songs here for 15 minutes on a Sunday morning. Worship is living the gospel out this week, out there with the Outback Steakhouse server that wants to just talk your ear off and tell you about all the specials and thinks he's super funny, and you just want to talk to your family. I apologize. I'm an ordinary person that is broken, and sometimes I have a stench to me. But see, if I were to be honoring to him, it doesn't just honor him, it honors God. It's an upward fragrance to the heavens. It's an act of worship. But he also says it's an outward smell to those around us, right? This idea of spreading the good news everywhere, right? When you're driving through your neighborhood and somebody's grilling something and you're like, oh, mama, let's pull over and become friends. There's this outward smell that just draws people in. And he says we use, he uses us to spread the knowledge of Christ everywhere like a sweet perfume, There's a missional element to this. When we go live our lives out of this church building and out of this church bubble, we then go to be a fragrance with our community. 
They can know about Christ because of us. So it's worship and it's mission and it's gonna smell differently to different people. Did you pick up on that as he's talking about it? Look at that verse. There are some that are gonna smell it and think, ooh, that's not good. And there's some that are gonna be, oh, that's a wonderful smell. Kind of like the Clorox. Some of us love the smell of Clorox and some of us hate the smell of Clorox. But this parade analogy, this parade imagery is important here. And I didn't know this at the time, but when they would do these processionals, they would include the prisoners that they had captured. Think about the smell to them. Think about that for a moment. You're doing this giant parade. Imagine if we had a Super Bowl parade and the Broncos had to come with the Seahawks. And we were just like, yeah, losers, here we go. Here's the glitter, right? And we would just do all that. We don't do that, right? But in their processionals, Rome would bring the captors, or the, cap, the captured, excuse me, the prisoners, and they would have to walk this humiliating walk down the middle of the street, being made fun of and jeered and all of this. But in the midst of all of that, they're smelling this incense from the priests, the same fragrance with a different association. Because to them, the smell of defeat, while to others it's the smell of victory. And sometimes that fragrance is going to come with different approval ratings. And this is, this is real stuff, this is real life. I, I heard a story one time about this young kid who was struggling in school, true story, kid is struggling in school, really acting out towards his teacher, really struggling with this, and, and fine with the other kids, but when his teacher got around him, he just like became defiant and rebellious and acting out. And Long story short, they've come to find out that the teacher wore Axe body spray. And they'd spray this Axe body spray, you know, the teacher would, on his routine to get ready for school and things like that. And come to find out the same smell of that Axe body spray was the same spray that this child's father wore. And the father at home was abusive physically, emotionally, and I believe even sexually. I may, I may be wrong on that one but was abusive in multiple facets to this child. So the child comes to school to learn about fractions. And what does this kid smell when the, when the teacher hovers over the child and wants to teach him about a common denominator? What is coming off of that teacher? Axe body spray. Teacher thinks it's fine. I smell masculine. I smell clean. To that kid, you smell like abuse. You smell like defeat. You smell like horror and pain, and trauma. True story. Wasn't the teacher's intent. Wasn't the teacher's plan to do that, but never knew that it would be somehow associated in, in this way. And, and Paul is talking about the way that people smell something and, and, and associate it either positively or negatively, and, and scholars kind of debate on, on what's the interpretation of this, and how do we handle this, and what do we do with this, and I think the reality that Paul's trying to point out is, I can't control the way people respond to the gospel. If I am truly representing the gospel in all of its characteristics, and all of its character traits, but I can't control the way that they're going to respond to it. Some people are going to be repelled by it. Some people are going to think it's foolish. Some people are going to think it's immature, it's stupid, or it's moronic. Some people are going to think that it's, it's evil and demonic for some, for some reason, right? I can't change or control the way that somebody is going to respond to the gospel. 
And I think what Paul's getting at is we aren't supposed to anxiously be consumed and worried about, well, how do I smell to everybody? Do I smell good to you? Do I smell good to you? Do I smell good to you? And we become worried and worried we're going to be misunderstood and rejected. And, and, and how many of you feel that worry sometimes as a Christian? Just like, oh, I don't want to step on toes. I don't want to bother somebody. I can't control, though, the way everyone is going to respond. But, huge but, I can control how I represent the gospel with my life. That's the difference. I can't control how they'll respond to it, but what I can control is I can control the way that I represent the gospel to my world. I can choose to be the aroma of Jesus, not the aroma of Sean, when he's hangry or when he's tired or frustrated or just doggone selfish. I can control that. I can choose to represent the gospel as we talked about with humility and selflessness, and care, and mercy, and inclusivity, and grace. That's what I can control. My life is emitting a smell. My words, my habits, my tone, my attitudes, it all smells. Our social media smells. But am I an odor, or am I an aroma? I can't control how it's going to be necessarily interpreted, but I can control whether or not it aligns with the gospel that I'm trying to represent. And so how do I work on my smell? Think about that. How do I work on that so that I make sure it is in alignment with the gospel? And it's interesting in this discussion, as Paul's talking about this parade and processional and all these smells and stenches and all of this, and then he gets into this leadership conversation in verse 17. In verse 17, he says, You see, we are not like many hucksters who preach for personal profit, we preach the word of God with sincerity and with God's authority, knowing that God is watching us. So Paul goes with this parade metaphor, and he's talking about smells, and I believe as he's talking about this, he's saying, hey, you want to worry about, or you want to think about how you smell? Think about who you're following. Because in a parade, who, you know, we're all following people, we're all in a line, we're all proceeding in the general direction. So it goes into this conversation of comparison between false teachers and his teachers. Think about that. We need spiritual leaders in our lives. We need people guiding us and leading us, and we need people in our lives that will look at us and say, you stink. You do. It's okay. You smell. We need people to point those things out. Because sometimes we're so oblivious to our odors. Hey, you got bad breath. You got bad breath for Jesus. You know, you need, you need spiritual leaders in your lives that will point those things out. But more, more to that or, or another layer of this, I believe what Paul is really getting at is being alert to who we're following because we will become like those we follow. I think we need accountability. We need people in our lives that can point out, hey, man, when you say it like that or when your tone is like this or when you're posting like this or when you're saying these things, yeah, I don't think you realize how that's coming off. We need that kind of accountability, but we also need to be alert to the fact, and this is what he's doing. He's taking the Corinthians and saying, who are you following? Because you will become like those you follow. You will take on the smell and the stench of those that you follow. Think about it. If I spend four hours sitting in Starbucks, what am I going to smell like? Starbucks. I'm going to smell like coffee 
And when it's fine when you're there, but when you leave, it's like, oh, you really took on an odor <laughs> to you. If I spend all of my time listening to podcasts with excessive profanity and crude joking, what's going to happen to my speech? I'm going to take on the very things that I'm listening to and following and absorbing my teachers and podcasts and, and preachers and authors and leaders and all of these people that are in the parade with me, and I've put them in the parade, and I'm following them. I'm going to take on the smells and the odors and the fragrances that they're emitting because I'm around them. And it's going to affect the gospel that I'm emitting. And so I think Paul, what he's doing here in verse 17 is challenging us, not just the importance of having leaders, but to think about the leaders and look at the messengers, not just their message. Last week, we talked about the distorted gospel, and we talked about, look at the message and see how it aligns with the gospel. Well, today is looking at the messengers. How do they align with the gospel? Are they in line with Jesus, or are they off doing their own parade? I think that's what Paul's doing. He says, look at, look at these guys, right? And some various things we can look for. Look at their delivery, right? He says, look at these many hucksters, not a phrase I use often. These hucksters with their trickery and their manipulation, it's a facade. There's disingenu they're disingenuous in the way that they talk, right? But we're looking at these folks, and, and there's, there's a presentation, but it's not authentic. Look at the delivery of the messengers that we're following. Again, it could be pastors, it could be leaders, it could be authors, blogs, people you follow on social media, various teachers and things like that, but look at their delivery. And maybe they're not kind of pulling the, pulling the wool over your eyes in that huckster manner, but look at their delivery. Are they divisive? Are they condescending? Are they just flat out angry all the time? Are they hurtful to people? Because if, if, if we're hurting people to get our truth across, I wonder if we're really in line with the gospel. Did Jesus hurt people in the process of bringing his gospel? Did Jesus condescend? Look at the reward, not just their delivery, but look at the messengers and think about the reward. Who gains from what they're doing? Who, who wins, right? Who benefits? Who gets the spotlight? Who gets the credit? Think about the people that we follow. And he points it out, Paul does, and he says, they preach for personal profit. These guys are out there, they're trying to gain personally, right? And they're gaining financially, they're gaining in followers, they're gaining in subscribers, they're gaining in all of these different things. And I think what Paul is saying is like, well, where does Jesus gain in all this stuff? Or do they gain? Does the leader, does the podcast, does the pastor, does that person gain? Or is Jesus in the kingdom of God gaining here? Because that's what I want to follow, is what Paul's really getting at. Who am I following? What are they gaining? Who's winning in this? Whose kingdom is being built? We've got to think about these things. How are they delivering and who's rewarding and what kingdom is being built? Look at their fruit. How about that? That's a churchy phrase, but it's look at what's coming out. What's being produced? Jesus said you could judge a tree by its fruit. And so think about the people that we follow. Is it lasting or is it temporary? Is it truly in line with the gospel? When you see the people that are following them, are they in line with the gospel? Are people 
falling in love with Jesus? And, and is the kingdom of God growing, or is the kingdom of the person continuing to grow? Fruit's important. But fruit isn't the only thing, and, and, and this would be the last one I would, I would point out, is look at their character. And character is the one that I think sometimes, especially in church circles, we can sometimes overlook character for the sake of fruit. Oh, people are coming to church. People are getting saved. People are getting baptized. Look at all these YouTube subscribers that they have on their page. They must be doing something, right? And then it's story after story of influential spiritual leader that has hurt somebody and used authority in a manipulative manner and, and, and compromised on integrity and compromised on character and compromised on their morality. But what's happened is you've got a group of people following these leaders and they're excusing character for the sake of capacity. Wow, look at what they're doing. I can't argue with what they're doing. But don't give up on who, who they are. When Paul is pointing out these people are hucksters, he's, he's not just pointing out their performance or their productivity. He's pointing out in, in their character. We can't just get caught up because the person's charismatic or the person is really interesting or, or funny or has a lot of followers. We've got to look at it and say, does this person carry the heart of Jesus? Is this somebody that treats their family like Jesus would treat them? You think about people that you follow. How do they talk about people when they're not in the room? That would be a great question to ask. As you're thinking about the people in your life that you give influence to, how do they talk about people when they're not in the room? Because I'm going to guess that you're not always in the room too. And they might be talking about us the same way they're talking about that other person. Do you see the characteristics of the gospel at work in their life privately and publicly? And what Paul is doing is he's, he's, he's shining a light on these leaders and these influencers who are trying to infiltrate the parade processional and say, hey guys, let's go this way. Let's go that way. Let's go this way. And, and so what does he bring into the scenario? What does he emphasize in his conversation as he's talking about these hucksters who preach for personal profit? He emphasizes sincerity and God's authority and the idea that God is always watching, this accountability. And so when Paul shines a light on himself and the other leaders in his grouping, what is he doing? He's saying there's an honesty transparency, a vulnerability. When he says sincerity, there's this peeled back openness. Yeah, I, I, I'm flawed. I suffer. I'm broken. I'm ordinary. There's a genuineness in the way that Paul would teach and the way that he would write and the way that he would talk and the way that he would lead. It wasn't a performance for Paul. And he talks about Christ's authority, this idea that he didn't use power for the sake of his own gain, and he didn't want to use power because it was his title or his position. I am the Apostle Paul. And I get a little leery when people lead with their titles. I don't even like, I, I do it because sometimes it helps people know who I am, but I really don't like to lead with, I am Pastor Sean, come follow me. I don't talk like that. I don't lead, you know, for most people, especially people in our city, I'm just Sean. For most of you, I don't go around and like, can Pastor Sean come to dinner tonight? It's good to see you. Pastor Sean says hello. 
No, because my authority is not found in my title. My authority is not found in my position. My authority is not found in any of that. Paul is not talking from that kind of point of view. He is not talking from a power that comes from title or personality or platform or any of that. What is it? I preach out of Christ's authority. I preach out of the power of God, the power of the gospel, God's influence. And there's an accountability that comes with that. And uh, a responsibility that comes with that when he says, man, we, we preach as if God is always watching us. There's accountability there. There's teachability there. I don't want to follow somebody if they're not willing to say, I was wrong. I made a mistake. I have a problem following leaders and, and listening to pastors who always have it figured out. They could tell me how to parent my kids perfectly because apparently they never failed. Like, I have a hard time with that. I have a hard time listening to leaders and podcasts where their marriage is perfect. I'm like, how is that possible? You never fight. You never get upset. Your church is perfect. Your marriage is perfect. Your kids are perfect. Your health is perfect. Your hairline is perfect. Your smile is perfect. I just don't see that in Paul. I see sincerity, Christ's authority, and as if God is always watching me. Those are the types of people that I would want to follow. Those are the podcasts that I want to listen to. Those are the books that I want to read. Those are the leaders and pastors and people that I want in line with me as we follow, not them, but we follow Jesus together. And so I think what Paul is begging us to ask ourselves is, is this somebody that I can really follow? Is this somebody that I want to be like? And how are they helping me smell like Jesus and the gospel? That's, that's today. How are they helping me smell like Jesus and the gospel? We need people in our lives to grow. I need people I got people that I run to, people that pray for me, people that lead me, people that I'm accountable to, right? Because I, I want to grow. We all need this. And we have to be aware, though, at the same time, we have to be aware of who are we giving that influence to? Who are we giving the microphone to our soul to speak into that? And will they help me smell like Jesus this week? Will they help me take on the fragrance of the gospel? And so in closing, I would just illustrate that today, if you could boil it down, and the one thing you remember is you are a Glade candle. I know it seems silly, but Jesus said that you are the light of the world. And what do you do with a candle? You light it. And what do you do with your lighter? You leave it in the front row. Great. That's awesome. Hold on. Hold for dramatic effect. Keep pausing. Yeah, there it is. Jesus said, you're the light of the world. And you put a light in dark places. Paul says, we are the aroma of Jesus in a world that smells. Because where do you put a glade candle? Where it smells. I'll let you fill in the blank on where. But I think what Paul is getting at and what we would just be reminded of today is this is who we are to be. 
the light and the darkness and the aroma and the stench. That's the church. This is Hub City Church. This is what we're to be on Berry Dairy Days. We may not preach the gospel explicitly, but we will stink of it. We will show it. You may go to work this week and never say the name of Jesus publicly, but I, I think they'll see it. I think they'll smell it. Can we go light it up for Jesus this week? Can we go stink it up for Jesus this week? Because I tell you, when you're around a glade candle, as close as I am, you start to smell it. When people are around you, they're going to start to smell Jesus. This is who we are. Let's pray. Let's pray. Jesus, we just want to be a church that says yes to following you. All the days of our life, all the moments. Holy Spirit, I know you are getting our attention in, in, in the midst of these scriptures and our discussion and pointing out some areas where maybe we've got an odor that we need to address. And, and, and God, we come with open hands and, and we repent of those things. If there is any smell that is not of you and your gospel, God, I pray that you would forgive us and, and we, we admit and acknowledge those, those flaws and those blind spots and we pray and ask for your help God, that we would live lives in alignment with who you are. Jesus, we are a church that wants to follow you. I pray that we represent you. I pray that the gospel permeates into our homes and into our workplaces and into this community because of the people of your family, representing the truth of who you are. We love you, Jesus. Thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. If you want more information on Hub City Church, find us at thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening. 